Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Beginning at verse 8, reading just through verse 12. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith. Saith the Lord of hosts, If I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He shall not destroy the fruit of your ground, and neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Let us unite together in a moment of prayer. We thank you, our Father, for the experience of this evening as we've shared together in your word through music. And for those, our Father, we offer our thanks who have been willing to prepare themselves that they might speak to us in music. We pray now that you would open our hearts and minds to the understanding of your word. We would find ourselves drawn closer to you this evening, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. This is not an evangelistic message this evening at all, but really is a message that I think we need to to speak to the church, and that is concerning what I'm calling the tithe. And I want to I want to use tonight to to do a study, if if I could, a study of the word tithe and how we use it and what it means and what we're supposed to do with it. You know very well by this time in two years of preaching that I almost never speak of money from the pulpit and I'm not speaking of money from the pulpit even tonight. Because I believe earnestly that when the heart is right, the pocketbook is right. And we don't have to deal with a lot of begging and pleading for money, but there are churches who do that and you find it all the time on television and radio, somebody's asking for money. I, I don't approve of a television or a radio program that asks for money at all. It ought to be put on by a church or a body or an individual or some group who wants to pay the bill for putting that program on and should not depend upon the, the uh, listening audience as far as its income is concerned. That's just a prejudice of mine. And it doesn't make any difference whether you agree or disagree, and everybody on television and radio will disagree, but that's okay. Our point is not to talk about the raising of money, but our point is to talk about the relationship that we have to God in comparison or with regard to what we own. And so we're talking about a personal relationship to God and not talking about raising money at all. Although if you would consider the fact, if, if uh, every member of this church would tithe their income, 
there would be no way that we'd have to worry about ever having enough money to do what needs to be done. The church building would have been put up here on the side in a couple of Sundays, and that's, that would have been sufficient to probably take care of, of the needs of that building. But that's, that's not the point of the message this evening at all. We're not talking about the, the method of financing the church. If you belong to an organization of some sort, which most of us belong to some organization, you automatically expect that there is going to be a dues process. You want to know how much are the dues to belong to this organization. Do you know what the dues are to belong to the Olive Branch Baptist Church? Well, there aren't any, in case you didn't know that. Because the church takes an entirely different approach. Because we don't see it as something that is owed to the organization to which we belong. We don't see it that way at all. Back in the Old Testament, the government and the church were all one body. The government was the church, the church was the government, although the word church was not used. And it was required in the Old Testament that every person paid his dues to the church. And I'm using that term loosely to signify the religious body. And the payment that was due was one-tenth of all that your income was, regardless if it were livestock or from the ground or whatever source, it was expected that there would be one-tenth of that income paid into the treasury of the temple, the synagogue, the religious body. But the purpose of the church base, is based somewhat upon that as far as finances are concerned, but, but certainly goes far beyond it. And I want to say again as we get into the message, the purpose of the message and the purpose of the church is to reflect upon our relationship to the Lord. And what we do with that which we own gives some indication as to what our relationship is to Jesus Christ, to our Savior. Let's look a little bit at the history of the, of the tithe. First of all, we need a definition, and I basically have given it to you, I think. That is, a tithe is the giving of one-tenth of one's income to God as an offering. That's what a tithe is, the giving of one-tenth of one's income, well established in, in the Old Testament. The first record of a tithe was all the way back in the book of Genesis in the 14th chapter. We're not going to take the time to go back and read it, and I'll shorten it up by not doing so, shorten the sermon by not doing so. But you may remember that Lot decided that it was time for he and Abraham to, to separate because they were fussing amongst themselves. And so Abraham said, if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. And uh, so Lot, you make your choice. And Lot made his choice and went to Sodom. And you might remember the history that the nations around had gathered together uh, their armies and were fighting against other groups and one of the, the communities that they were fighting against was the community of Sodom. And in the process of that fighting, Lot and his family were taken captive. And the word came back to Abraham that his nephew Lot had been taken captive. And so he armed, Abraham armed his servants and they went out to fight against the armies that were uh, in, that had captured uh, Lot and his family and rescued them and brought them back. 
And in the process of all of that, Abraham met a priest by the name of Melchizedek. I want to preach on Melchizedek one of these days because he is described as a type of Christ. Uh, Christ is, Jesus is considered a priest after the order of Melchizedek, and that's an entirely different subject. But he was a priest of God, and Abraham came to Melchizedek, and to Melchizedek paid one-tenth of all the bounty that he had gathered in the war that he had just successfully completed in rescuing Lot. That was the first reference to any tithe being paid. You can go to the next reference, which is in Genesis 28, and you will find Jacob paid a tithe when he went away from home because of the conflict with his brother, Esau, and he had slept that night with a rock for his pillow and had a dream. And he dreamed about the ladder that went to heaven, and you remember that dream. And after it was over with and he woke up, he realized that he was in the presence of God and he made a vow to God that he would worship God, but that also he would pay his tithe to the Lord for the rest of his life. Now, those are two of the preliminary indications that a tithing process had been well established in Old Testament times. Matter of fact, in secular history, we find that almost all, and perhaps all, of the ancient religions of the world had a process of tithing in which their constituents were expected to bring one-tenth of all their income to the church. Well, that never became a part of the Hebrew law until we get over in the book of Leviticus in the 27th chapter, in which God gave... Moses, the law, to give to the people, and one of the laws that he gave was that the people were required to tithe, that is, to pay one-tenth of their income, the harvest of the livestock. What were they to do with this income that the people provided to the temple or to the synagogue? We find over in Numbers, then, if you want to go over there to the 18th chapter, the requirement was that the money be brought to the temple and that the money be used to pay for the tribe of Levi who were the priests. Now the law said that the Levites were not to own property. The Levites had no income whatever, with the exception as to what the, the people who were the worshipers of Jehovah would bring to the temple. And the, the priests were to live off the income brought to the temple. The priests, in turn, were to pay a tithe of what they received back into the temple treasury as well. So there was the, the process of the Old Testament of, of tithing. Now, what were they to do? Where they, were they to bring it? Well, if you go to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 12, you will find there that they were to bring their tithe to the church or to the temple, A place was to be established for the treasury. The history behind that is the Hebrew people were just about to go over into the promised land. And they were instructed when they go over into Jordan, they were to go over there and tear down all the idols, all of the places of worship of those people who lived in the uh, land across Jordan that they were just about to inherit the promised land. And in the Deuteronomy chapter 12, they were instructed in the place of all of these pagan religions and their temples that they tore down, 
they were to erect a temple, a single place of worship that God would show them, and it was to this place that he called the storehouse that the tithe was to come. Now that brings us to the text this evening of Malachi chapter 3, when in verse 10 the Lord said to bring the tithes to the storehouse, to the church that God has established to receive the money that the people have from their incomes, and the, the church is to be the depository of all of these funds that they are to use then for certain purposes. Now I know that there are people who support various programs on television and radio by those preachers who say, I need your money to keep us on the air. I know that some of you do that, and that's quite all right. I have no objection if you want to. My point that I want you to notice is that when it comes to the tithe, that part that you send to those ministries, whatever they are, is not a part of your tithe. The tithe is to come to the church. It is the church's responsibility to distribute that money to do the things that need to be done to proclaim the gospel across the country. Do you understand me? That is over and beyond. If you want to support those things, you can find scriptural proof and evidence for supporting them over and above your normal giving to the church, over and above your tithe to the church, but not as a part of that tithe. The church is the storehouse. The external ministries that go on are maybe church-related and maybe godly and all of this, but it is the church that Jesus Christ established in this world to be the organization through whom the gospel would be proclaimed. And I say to you that all of these organizations and groups that are conducting ministries in our country need to be affiliated with the church that sends them out, that they are not to go out on their own. I don't find any place in the scripture for independent ministries outside of the church. And again, I have no objection to them and I, I listen to them. But I say that it is something that we need to support uh, as a, either as a part of our ministry or an, ex an extension of our ministry beyond what we normally would do. So in the Old Testament... There were three reasons why the people were to bring a tithe. One was to meet the needs of the priests who had no other income. Their job was to conduct the worship and the spiritual needs of the people. Secondly, and we, I have passed over this, but we can find it very readily, that they were to bring their money into the temple, and there it was to be redistributed to take care of strangers to take care of orphans and widows, people who were in need. That was one of the functions of the money coming in. But the third purpose, and the one I want to emphasize tonight, that it was an expression of gratitude to God. We bring our money to the church not to pay the bills of the church. We do not bring our finances to build our building on the side. We bring our money to the church to praise God for what he's done for us as an act of worship, an act of praise. And God gets the praise through what happens then with the money through our ministries and, and through the building and, and on and on. But the purpose of bringing money and putting it in the offering plate 
on Sunday morning is not to pay the bills of this organization. It is to praise God. So we have a reason beyond paying bills uh, to bring our money to the church. It acknowledges God's ownership of us and what we have. Now, let's go to the New Testament. What does the New Testament say about tithing? You may, be, you may find this surprising. Somebody, uh, a commentary I was reading, said there were eight references in the New Testament to tithing. I could only find seven. Let me give you the seven references to tithing in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, they end up being seven verses. And that's all. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, if you want to jot these down. Luke chapter 11, verse 42. Luke chapter 18, verse 12. And in Hebrews chapter 7, verses 5, 6, 8, and 9. Now I have given you the seven references to the word tithing or tithe in the New Testament. If you will read those, Matthew 23, 23, Luke 11, 42, Luke 18, 12, and Hebrews 7, verses 5, 6, 8, and 9. If you read those, you'll find every one of them makes a reference to the Old Testament process of tithing. There is no place in the New Testament that we're instructed to tithe. Did you know that? There just isn't there. There's no command that a Christian tithe. Then if there is no command, then why are we talking about tithing? All right, let's, let's shift gears just a little bit. You see, the word tithe is a legal term. It meant what was required to be paid by the people in the Old Testament. That was a law term, and we're under grace. We do not have a legal requirement to do anything. We're under grace, and whatever we do, we do it for the glory of God, not because there's a law that says we must. There comes a difference in the church and any other organization that you want to name. Whatever we do when it comes to our finances, to our attendance, to anything we want to do, we're doing it because we love to do it. We want to do it not because there's a law that says we have to do it. You have to pay your taxes. And if you don't pay your taxes, I'll tell you, they'll come and take your property and sell it in order to get your taxes paid. But when it comes to the church, there is no such thing. Because what we do, we do by the grace of God. Because he loved us and we in turn love. Now someone has said, surely we ought to do as much under grace as the Old Testament people did under law. And I certainly agree. If it was the law that you paid a tithe, should it not be uh, something that we would want to do? To do whatever we can as far as, uh, as our finances are concerned and uh, the Lord's worship is concerned. We've got to go to another term to look at what the New Testament says about this thing of relationship to God and our finances. And that is the word stewardship. Now there are some things about stewardship in the New Testament. Several things. A steward is a manager of somebody else's possessions. I want you to listen to this now. And if you don't agree with this, uh, you need to read your New Testament. You don't own a thing in this world. It all belongs to God. Did you hear me? 
Many times we take what we have in, quote, our possession, our income, our automobile, our home, and all of the things that we have and say, this is mine, and I will do with this as I want. We have a total misconcept if we think we own anything in this world. It all came from God. When we leave this world, we go out without anything. We absolutely came in with nothing and we go out with nothing. We own nothing while we're here. We're simply responsible for taking care of something that God has put into our hands to handle, to take care of. It does not belong to us. It belongs to God. And this is what the New Testament says. It all belongs to God. Therefore, not just one-tenth of our income must go to God, but everything we own, do, think, say, whatever, ought to be all done for the glory of God. It's all His. Now, part of it, He wants us to use to take care of ourselves. Personally. As a matter of fact, he gave us a parable in the book of Matthew, chapter 25, dealing with an, a man who owned some property, and he took some of it and he divided it out to his servants. To one servant he gave five portions, to another he gave two, and to another he gave one, called talents in the, in the New Testament. Talents was amounts of money in that day. And he said to his servants, I'm going to take a trip, and while I'm gone, I want you to take this which is mine, and I want you to use it in order that, I, that when I come back, I can get it back with interest. And the one with five talents went out and worked hard, and he, made, uh, he doubled his money. The one with two doubled his. But the one who had the one amount of money, the one talent, was so afraid that he might lose it or something go wrong that he buried it in the ground. And when the master came back and required an accounting, they came and presented the one ten talents and the other four talents, and this one man came and he just gave back what the Lord had given to him. And he said, I was afraid that I might lose it, and therefore I, I buried it in the ground so that you could have it back. The Lord was angry. And he took it away from that man who wouldn't use it and gave it to the man who would use it. He expects that which he has put into our possession to be used correctly. But most importantly, to be used that he might have a return on his investment. And the question that we need to deal with as stewards of our possessions that God has given us, how much return do we give the Lord for what he has put in our hands? Now that the Lord does expect. Paul teaches about stewardship a good bit. There is a phrase in Titus about a bishop or a preacher must be expected to be a good steward. 1 Peter 4.10 talks about good stewards. Uh, there's other places in the New Testament such as Matthew 25 that talks about taking our money and helping others. Uh, in Acts chapter 4, where all the church came and they brought all their finances and put it together uh, in the church, and then it was redistributed according to everybody's need. But the primary place that we find the scripture that deals with the, 
The question as to what we ought to do with finances comes from Paul in 1 Corinthians. And if you want to turn back there with me, I, I would like to, to make reference to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. This is the basic teaching that we have in the New Testament as to how we are to handle things as far as finances are concerned in our relationship to the Lord. Verse two verses, first two verses of chapter 16, 1 Corinthians says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, he was about to take up a collection to take back to, to Jerusalem, is what he was doing. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given you order to the churches of Galatia, even so do you. Now here's what the order is. Upon the first day of the week, which day is that? Sunday. Why Sunday? Because that's when people go to church. Why that day? Because the storehouse, the church, is the depository of the finances that people are to present. So it's to be brought to the church on the first day of the week. Let every one of you, every one of you, lay by him in store, in the storehouse, put in the storehouse, in the church, what, a tenth? No, he doesn't say that. He says, as God has prospered you. As God has prospered you. That's as close as you can get to instructions in the New Testament as to what we ought to do as far as our, our physical welfare is concerned and our relationship to the Lord. We are to bring our finances, that which in our heart we want to do, according to how well we have been prospered to the church, there as uh, deposited, and the church body then, by the leadership of the Holy Spirit, will distribute that money where it ought to go to produce ministries across the world. We heard this morning about how some of our money right here in this church has been distributed in all over the world. We heard this morning that over 40, what was it, 47,000 some odd people were baptized last year by our employees our missionaries that we help pay the salary and send the resources across uh, our foreign mission fields. Last year, over 47,000 baptisms. We shared in that. We were a part of this extended ministry because we as individuals brought collectively our money to a point where we put it in the treasury, and our decision in this church is that we will send a certain amount uh, to sponsor and support uh, the, the needs of our missionaries in uh, not only this country but in all other countries. But we're to do it how? As God has prospered us. The rich are to pay more dollars than the poor. But it ought to be in the same proportion that is according to how God has blessed will we return. Now that's the New Testament teaching. There has been no change in God's intent, no change in his purpose. There has been a change in that the law no longer applies. What one did in the Old Testament by law, one does now because he loves God. That's the difference. Our stewardship reflects our love for God. The principles of the Old Testament have not been done away with. There's one thing that you may have not noticed as we read that passage in Malachi, and with that I'll close, but I want you to go back to Malachi. I want you to notice that there is a promise. There is a promise from God to the person who 
properly and honestly handles the finances that God has placed in his hands, when he says in the 10th verse to bring the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be meat in the house, in other words, that the house will be taken care of, and he's saying this is going to prove me, prove me now, he puts people to the challenge. You bring in the tithes, and what does he say he will do? I will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to contain it. And verse 11, he says, I will rebuke the devourer. Who is the devourer but Satan? I will rebuke Satan for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. There is a formula for prosperity in these two verses. It's very simple. God says, when you're faithful to me, I promise you I'll be faithful to you. And so it doesn't deal with money. It deals with love and faithfulness and devotion. That's how it comes out. I'm not saying you ought to tithe. As a matter of fact, there are people who ought to more than tithe. I'm saying that we ought to consider our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he has blessed us, will we in return give that others might be blessed. As we have been saved, we will give that others might be saved. As we've been lifted up, we'll give that others might receive that same blessing. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.